friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. I know sometimes you doubt if you are truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own. I know that you are praying for a way to know the difference and to be confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word. If you are ready to grow in your faith and your identity in Christ and to confidently step into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org. And for a limited time, I'm offering all of my podcast listeners a special discount of 20% off. You can use the discount code hearing Jesus. That's one word, all caps, to get your discount. There are also some free videos and a leader's guide for you to get started. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. We are starting in with week three of the Desires of the Heart series. And today we're going to be talking about the desire to be blessed. And I just, before we get started, I just want you to know how blessed I've been in the last couple weeks by the voicemails and the emails and the text messages about the way that you're saying that this podcast is blessing you. That encourages me so much to even know that one person listened and one person was blessed. Um, Something really fun happened this week. I had the first person reach out to me that was not within my circle. Like it was somebody that I never met before and he reached out and just shared how excited he was about the podcast and um, it just made me feel so excited about the potential of what God may do in the coming uh, weeks, months, years, maybe, I don't know, but I just want you to know that you guys have been a blessing to me. So today we're talking about this concept of a desire we all have to be blessed and sometimes we are people of blessing but most of the time we aren't. Now I'm not talking about the blessings that we have in our lives that are things like having a, a nice home or um, a, you know, a reliable vehicle or in the days of COVID, enough toilet paper in the house. Of course, those are blessings from God, but I'm not necessarily talking about blessings. I'm talking about a posture of blessing. So sometimes we have to fight for our blessing, but most of the time, as believers, we don't or we won't. And I want to explore that a little bit to figure out why. I know in my own life, fighting for a blessing feels hard, uh, like we aren't humble. And there's this idea that if we were worthy of being blessed, someone would see that and we would be. 
But most of the time, we miss being blessed simply because we don't ask for it. I remember when I wrote my first book, I um, had a mentor that inspired me, and we were in his office. Um, I was visiting him in, in New York City, and he said, why didn't you tell me you were writing this book? Why didn't you tell me so I could write it forward or tell people about it? And I said, well, I don't feel like that would be humble. And he said, that's stupid. <laughs> and um, and it and I said, well, what do you mean it's stupid? He said, well, did God give you the message? I said, yes. And he said, did God tell you to write the book? And I said, yes. And he said, and is God using it to change people's lives? And I said, yes. He said, then you're stupid because the more people that get their hands on the book, the more people are going to be helped. So next time you write a book, you need to tell me about it. And actually, now that I think about it, I didn't tell him about the next book I'm coming out. He's, I have coming out. He's probably going to be mad at me. But um, regardless, my point with that is I had walked, even though God had given me a message, to share. And I knew that. And I even wrote a book about it and was speaking at different things around the country. I did not feel like I had the right to ask for the blessing of him putting his stamp of approval on, on that book. Now, is that stupid? May, maybe, probably. But I think that's the reality of where a lot of us are at. I think that most of the time we miss the blessing of God simply because we don't ask for it. I think it might be helpful to point out that, um, you know, I'm not talking about the blessing in terms of money or resources. I don't want this to get mix, mixed up with the uh, prosperity gospel in the sense that we just, uh, you know, claim that good things are coming to us, we ask for it and it's going to come. That's not what I'm talking about. And while I have, I understand that there's a grain of truth in the sense that, um, you know, we reap what we sow and um, God is a good God that desires good for his children. I also work in third world countries where the prosperity gospel has been very damaging to their perspective. And, and I, I want to make sure that I'm clear that that's not what I'm talking about. And sometimes being blessed does bring those things with it, but that's not our goal. That's not our aim. When I say blessing, I mean this desire we all have to be a blessed people, the desire to, to be seen as special in the eyes of someone who does not require us to perform to earn their love. Let me say that again. When I'm talking about this concept of blessing, of a posture of blessing, of being blessed, I'm talking about the desire that we all have to be seen as special in the eyes of someone who does not require us to perform or earn their love. And now I know we talked last week a little bit about our desire to be affirmed and what we do, but the desire to be blessed is more about who we are. The idea of blessing, I think, is seen over and over in the scriptures. And while we recognize that the birthright and the inheritance was given culturally as a blessing, um, this need goes a little bit deeper. So deep, in fact, that if we don't get it, it leads to shame. And so the shame doesn't come from making a mistake. Um, that's more a posture of guilt. So... Shame is that feeling like it's not that we made a mistake. Shame is the feeling that we are the mistake. Uh, a good example of this is 
uh, I work in several African countries and I actually had a conversation this week with one of my team members in one of the African countries. And I've seen this over and over again in some of the African countries where HIV is a big issue. There are entire generations of families that have been wiped out because of HIV. In fact, I remember when I was teaching one time, um, I was teaching at a church. I had asked to be taken to the church. There was a large group of us and I had been asked to, to, I was asked to, I asked them to take me to the church that had the most children. And when I arrived, there was 18 children, one man who was the pastor and one elderly grandmother. And, uh, she was actually the great great grandmother of a lot of these children. And it was a one room church. There was three walls. There wasn't even a fourth wall. And as I'm sitting next to this little bench that they have for their altar, a chicken kind of just wanders in. Um, there was a baby that was in the bush, like kind of outside the, the, church, I guess if you want to call it the church. And, and I said, Oh, whose baby is that? And they said, Oh, we don't know. That baby just lives there. Like in the bush, the baby just, that's where the baby lived. It was just a really desperate situation. And, um, I, I looked at them and I, I was really confused. I had, this was one of my first experiences with extreme poverty. And I said, well, is this like the children's church? And then the adults are somewhere else. And they said, there are no adults. And I said, what do you mean? I just was, I had no concept, no frame of reference. And they said, well, all of the adults have been killed either in war or with HIV or AIDS. So all that's left are the great grandparents. And in most cases, it's the great grandmother because the great grandfather has died in war. And, oh, that just hit me so hard that it was this, so I had this great grandmother who, I actually think I have pictures of her on my website if you want to see her, but she, she was raising 18 children by herself as the great grandmother. And it was just so heartbreaking to, to see that and getting to dig down a little bit deeper, getting to the bottom of that. The reason why was because, um, yes, war was an element, but HIV was so prevalent in that area. Um, and it wasn't that there wasn't medication. There was actually, UNICEF had been in that area and a couple different aid organizations had been in that area taking and delivering medication. And good medication, we have really good HIV medication that exists right now that can really uh, drastically lower the viral count and allow you to live a, a pretty normal life. And those medications were even being made available in this region. And so I asked the pastor, I said, well, why, why aren't people taking the HIV medication? And he said, because of shame. And I said, what? I don't, I don't understand. And he said, well, if you have HIV and your neighbor sees you going to the clinic to get medication, then the neighbor will know that you have HIV. And if you have HIV, it's because either you were living in sin or you made God angry or... Um, it, it was, it had such a stigma to it that, um, then the community, the way that those cultures work is then that community would shame the rest of the family. And so if that individual had children or, um, you know, just family in that community, that shame would also be transferred to that family. And so the risk of dying with disease was 
better for them than the risk of shame and bringing shame onto their family. I want you to think about that for a minute. The risk of dying or the reality of dying was better for them than the shame that would come on their family by people knowing that they had HIV. And that is not unique to that region. Uh, Like I said, I had a conversation with somebody in a different African country, uh, East Africa, and they shared the exact same thing. There's about 40% of the population that will not go get HIV medication, even though it's readily and easily, readily available and easily accessible because of the shame stigma that it carries with them. So shame, um, of course, that looks a little bit different in our culture. But my point with that is shame is powerful. It's a powerful thing that the enemy uses to keep people bound. And it it in of itself is like a disease. So guilt would say we made a mistake. Shame would say we are the mistake. Listen, friend, listen to me. I want to remind you of something. God does not make mistakes and you are amazing. God doesn't make mistakes and you are amazing. I think, especially as women, we tend to think that the way we earn a blessing is by working towards something that will earn us that right. But the reality is, if you never did anything ever again in your life, you would still be loved. I'm going to say that again. I know I'm repeating myself a lot today, but I think there's a lot in here to take away. If you never did anything ever again, you would still be loved. I used to live with this sense that every moment matters. I think you'll probably hear me say that a lot because I used to say it a lot. I used to say every moment matters. And while I still believe that, I used to believe that it meant that, oh my gosh, you can probably hear my wind chimes. Sorry, ADD moment. Um, If you hear wind chimes, just pretend I, I put that in there as background music. If you, um, I, I lived with this posture that every single moment counted. And so what I took that to mean is every moment matters in the sense that every single moment of every single day, even the moments I am sleeping, those are wasted moments. If I am doing anything other than serving God. So that means, um, literally working and multitasking in the sense that I'm I'm work, I'm finishing up an email and I'm also listening to a podcast and I'm already thinking about um you know what I'm going to what devotional we're going to do in the evening and the one we're going to do after that and all the all the things just constantly on this sense of every moment matters I have to fight my own laziness I have to fight my own desire to do anything other than ministry and let me tell you that is a quick road to burnout Um, and please take it from me that that is not what that means. The concept of every moment mattering really looks at this need for deep Sabbath rest we all have and also resting in him, not just Sabbath as a day, but Sabbath as a principle where we are seeking God for that deep soul rest that we need. I myself I'm in the posture of learning this 
through the last year. COVID had a lot to do with that because it forced me to slow down and listen to what God was saying and to stay seated and to stay hidden and to listen to how God was trying to restore my soul to a place of rest. And I want you to understand that in the sense that, and I apologize if I have said that to you, oh, every moment matters, I apologize for any pressure I may have put on you. Or if you've heard me say that at a conference, um, I definitely still believe that every moment matters. But I don't think that means that we do that to the detriment of our own mental health, spiritual health, emotional health, family health, Um I definitely am a person that has a lot of drive and a lot of, um, I work at a high capacity, but I also know that means I have to rest deeply at that deep place of soul rest. And so that's, um, that's a freebie. That's a side tangent. But I want to circle back around to say, if you never did anything else again, you would still be loved. And Remember what I said last week, and you'll hear me say this over and over again. God is love. That's that's just who he is. And loved is who you are. That's just who you are. Because of who God is, not because of anything you have ever done, and not because anything that you will ever, will ever do. So what do we do when we don't feel that way, when we don't feel blessed? Well, we tend to believe the lies that the enemy throws at us. And these are those false narratives that that we've been talking about in this series. That false narrative, when you don't feel blessed, um, it's things like this feeling like I can't do anything right. No matter what I do, I can't do anything right. Or I'm not worthy of a blessing. Or maybe there's something wrong with me. Or this was mine. I need to work harder. I need to be worthy of the blessing because I work so hard, I can't help but be blessed. That was really the mentality I, I lived with for a really long time. And let me just stop you right there. I want you to realize, listen to me, friend, you are not loved for what you do. You are loved for who you are. You are not loved for what you do or don't do. You are loved for who you are. I think we can see a clearer picture of this desire to be blessed in the story of Jacob and the moment when God changed his name to Israel. If um, I'm going to go ahead and read it, if you'll remember, it's a story back from Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to read verses 24 through 32. It says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have contended with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Peniel, and he was limping on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the tendon of the hip, which is of the socket of the hip, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the tendon of the hip. So what we see here is Jacob fighting for his blessing. And after wrestling with God, he walked away changed. 
If you remember his story, Jacob had been deceptive for a very long time. His name meant deceiver. His lifetime was of hiding himself, of deceiving those around him. And it led him to a place where he was just alone with God. And in those moments where we find ourselves alone with God, the one who knows us and knows all the things that we hide, all of those things that we have done in deceit, or all the things that we don't share with other people, or all the things that no one knows that we did. It's those moments where we are faced with a choice. We have the choice to keep living our lives on our terms, or a choice, I'm sorry, a choice to lean into the blessing that God has for us. So we have the choice to keep living our lives on our terms, or a choice to lean into the blessing that God has for us. So Jacob, he realized this, and he recognized that the only way he could be blessed was if God himself gave the blessing. He had tried to do it on his own, and he couldn't. This this original word for struggle is sara, which means to persist or to persevere. And the name Israel, it means God prevails. As Jacob, or Israel's lineage, became God's special people of Israel, that would go on to be the, the 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Israel, we share in that heritage as believers. So as followers of Christ, we also know that God prevails. Friend, over your situation, God prevails. Over your heartache, God prevails. Over your waiting, God prevails. Over your struggle, God prevails. Whatever your struggle is, God prevails. When we struggle or persist with God, it leads to a changed identity in us, one where God prevails. And while we don't physically struggle with God, we do sometimes need to persist through prayer. And although we may sometimes automatically receive a blessing from God, um, you know, I've had that happen at different times in my life where we've gotten a surprise blessing from God. Most of the time, we have to actively pursue God's blessing that comes from the struggle. And I know this can seem hard, especially when the struggle is big. But the encouragement that we can see from Jacob is that if we persevere, the blessing will come. And what's he say? I will not let go unless you bless me. That's the key. It's not just declaring that uh, I need a blessing and the blessing will come. It's not letting go of God until it does. Because friend, listen, listen to me. This is the key. It's the holding on to God that is the blessing. Holding on to God is the blessing. So when he says, I will not let go unless you bless me, it doesn't matter when the blessing comes. And I don't say that casually because I myself have been in seasons of waiting that were hard and such a struggle. But in that waiting time, I learned who God really was. And that was the blessing. May those words from Jacob 
become the prayer of our hearts as we seek God for the blessing that can only come from knowing him in our struggle. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that this week, if you are facing moments of struggle, you would realize the blessing that comes from knowing God on the other side of that struggle. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for my friend that's listening right now. Lord, I don't know the struggle, um, or even if there is a struggle, but I would guess that in the climate that we live in, there's at least something that they're struggling with, whether it's illness or grief or loss of people or roles. heartache, or waiting, whatever the struggle is, God, I don't need to know because you do. God, I pray for my friend that they would see the blessing that comes from holding on to God, the blessing that comes that despite the struggle, despite how hard it is, there is a God that loves us, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. Lord, help them to realize that even if they did nothing else, they would still be loved immeasurably because of who you are. Lord, I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for this platform and this ability to reach into the hearts and minds of people that are looking for you. Lord, I pray that you would continue to help our listeners, my friend, to know who you are and to know your presence in a tangible and real way. God, I thank you that you can move through your spirit beyond time and space and constraints to minister to the hearts of your people. Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you for their life. And I pray that they would see you at work in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'll see you next week, guys. Hey, friends. If this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.